Matthew chapter number 6. And uh, that song goes right along with what I'm preaching on tonight. And I don't think that I planned that. I don't think they planned that. And uh, God just has a way of working some of those things out sometimes. And uh, very grateful for that. Matthew chapter number 6. I'm just going to talk to you tonight about storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, You know, there's a lot of opportunity to do a lot of different things on this earth. And uh, if we're not careful, uh, we'll spend our entire life doing things that really in the in the scheme of eternity uh, matter for absolutely nothing. And, uh, you know, the Bible tells us, talks about in first Corinthians, uh, it talks all throughout scripture. But in first Corinthians, it talks about the fact that you can build uh, on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And you can build uh, with wood, hay or stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones. But one day, there's going to be a, a judgment, there's going to be a fire, and what you have done is going to be put to the test. And if you've built with wood, hay, and stubble, guess what's going to happen when it's put in the fire? You're going to have a pile of ashes left to, sit, to, to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you've built on that foundation, gold, silver, and precious stones, you'll have a heap of treasure to lay at the feet of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, in this passage here, some people say, well, we shouldn't be doing it for that reason. I don't know where they get that, because in this passage, Jesus tells us to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Make plans for that. And, uh, you know, there are there are times in my life where I have, um, you know, come to church. And, and honestly, there's sometimes I don't want to be in church. And sometimes you come and sometimes you still have responsibilities and sometimes I go back there and I teach or sometimes I come out here and I lead music and I really don't want to be doing either one. And when I do that and those motives, a lot of times what I have done, as far as my account goes, it has mattered for nothing. And so we need to be very careful about what we are doing in our life and how we are doing it. So we're going to see several things tonight about laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. But let's have a word of prayer. And then, uh, then we'll go to our text. Before I go to prayer, I do want to mention this. Um, Brother Brady mentioned to me this morning before he left, uh, his daughter, uh, Carol, um, they're going to be trying to go and see her, I believe. She lives over on the west side of Florida, and uh, she's been dealing with some lung cancer, and uh, she's been having some heart issues as well, uh, and as well as a pneumonia uh, earlier this week. And so if you would keep her in your prayers, her name is Carol, and also keep Brother Gilbert in your prayers as well. Uh, as he's in the hospital and uh, probably going to have some type of a procedure uh, surgery this upcoming week. And so keep him in your prayers as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for the service tonight. Father, thank you for the day. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for uh, giving us your word. Thank you for teaching us from it. And Lord, I pray that from the, from the message tonight, we would glean some things that we can change in our life. Lord, that uh, as we work in our life, as we live our life, we would live it with, with eternity in view. We would live it with Christ in view. Uh, Lord, we not be so focused on ourselves and what we want or what's pleasing to us, uh, but Lord, may we store up treasures in heaven. And Lord, may uh, when that day comes, when we stand before Christ, may we have, uh, Lord, just a heap of, uh, of, of, uh, of treasure to give to the Lord Jesus Christ and lay his feet. And Lord, I pray you bless in this message tonight. Lord, I do pray you'd be with Brother Gilbert this evening. Lord, I pray you'd encourage him. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd be with Brother Brady's daughter and uh, Carol as she has been dealing with some serious uh, health issues recently. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with her 
and uh, be with Brother Brady and his wife as they may try and travel over there this week. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd give them safety and strength to do what they need to do. And, uh, Lord, be with many others that are not able to be here because of health issues. Lord, I pray that you just speak to hearts that are here tonight. And, Lord, may we leave this place different because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's read uh, Matthew chapter number 6. Look at verse number 19. All right, look at verse number 19. The Bible says this, Lay up for yourselves, lay, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through, break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one uh, and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so as we look at this passage tonight, it just deals with this issue of storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7 are all part of Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount. This is his very first uh, major sermon that he preaches or that he gives. And, and back in chapter 5, it actually tells us that it's, he's actually teaching with the disciples. The disciples sat around him and he began to teach them. And, and whether or not there were other people present that could hear him or not, but the Bible says that he sat down with his disciples and he began to teach them. In chapter 5, you see the Beatitudes. You see that list of uh, the different things that we must have in our life. Uh, there's many different teachings that Jesus gives us here in this passage in these three chapters. But in chapter 6, he's dealing with many different things here as well. But when we get to verse number 19, he's talking about these treasures in heaven. Not storing up for ourselves treasure on earth. And so, first thing tonight, we're going to see the command. The command that's been given to us. Okay, And, and, and lay up, that, that, that phrase, lay up, that we see um, in verse number 19, lay not up as well as verse number 20, but lay up for yourselves. Okay, that phrase, lay up, means to gather, to heap up, or to store up. It has the idea of first gathering together, and then second, to hoard or to heap up for the future. Now, how many of you have some type of a, um, an investment account, 401k, something like that that's for the future? Okay. How many of you, if um, how many of you have been doing that or been putting into something like that for more than ten years, twenty years? Okay, so that type of an investment has taken, could we say, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of discipline to be able to do that, right? I, I mean, you you don't. You don't store up for yourselves. You don't keep up for yourselves something that is going to last in your future after you've quit working and you still have the same expenses many times. You're not going to be able to survive unless you have stored up and you've been disciplined enough to put back enough for those years. Correct? This is something that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And, and spiritually speaking, it's the exact same way. Spiritually speaking, if we are going to store up or lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, it's going to take some time and some energy. On the opposite side of that, the Bible says, lay not up for yourselves 
treasures here on earth. So don't heap up, don't gather together, don't use your time and energy to store up for the future for things that are just earthly. Okay, now, many of you answered already, you have a 401k, you have an investment, you have something, some plan for the future. Is something like that wrong? Absolutely not. Okay, what this passage is dealing with, what Jesus Christ is talking about here when he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures here on earth, he is talking specifically about things that really we have no need of. It's, it's specifically storing up things that are just desires, they're just lust, they're just things that I want and I have to have. Right? Uh, you know, if we're storing up, if our life is given to stuff, I've got to have the next biggest whatever, okay? I've got to have the next computer, I've got to have the next uh, most tech phone or gadget, I've got to have the next car, I've got to have a bigger boat, I've got to have you know, bigger house. I've got to have, I've got to have, I've got to have, I've got to have, I've got to have. That is the way a lot of people in the world, that's all their life is given to, isn't it? They're just seeking after the next thing. But generally speaking, those kinds of people that I have met, there's no happiness in any of that. There's no joy, there's no fulfillment, because they get it, and when it's, when it's, gone through its break-in period, you know, it just sits, or it's tossed off for the next. It really didn't have that much meaning in the first place, but I had to have it, okay? That's the kind of stuff that Jesus Christ is telling us to lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And he goes on to say, and he says, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal. So letter A, we see, we see the negative of this command, the negative side of this. Okay? Jesus is teaching us not to lay up treasure here on earth. And this is speaking of that earnest desire that we have to store up treasure. Why are we not to do this? Well, we all know what happens to the things we just have to have, don't we? Somebody tell me something that you have that's just collecting dust, but you had to have it. Anybody? Shoes. Where's Chris? Chris hear that? Chris has more shoes than most people in here combined. There he is. <laughs> Old photos that just sit there. Could be. Sometimes we just got to have that, that, that photo album. My mom has spent years scrapbooking, uh, and, and sometimes we love to go home and pull out the, al the photo albums and look through them. But for the most part, they sit on their shelf and collect some dust. I remember as a kid, there, there were all kinds of times where I just had to have this or I had to have this. Uh, when I was, when I was a, a young kid, I loved Legos. How many of you like Legos? Okay, a few of you. I loved building with Legos. And, and, and there was a certain set when I was, when I was a young boy, uh, there was that time period where all the Legos were knights and castles and Sherwood Forest and, and all that stuff. And I've got a huge box sitting on my shelf right now at my house that's full of all of those old sets. In fact, I think there's one built somewhere in our house uh, of a castle that I have, and it's got a drawbridge that goes up and down, and I just had to have it. Guess what, right now it's just collecting dust, you know? Uh, sometimes we just have to have the, these things. 
when I was getting ready to graduate college, uh, I, I built, I saved up, and I bought all the components, and I built myself my own desktop computer. And it is a beast. It's the exact color scheme. It, it's big. It's got these blue glowing lights in the front and on the side. I mean, it's just awesome. It looks cool. But I'll be honest, it's been sitting in a box for probably three years now. Because it's 12 years old now. I mean, the hardware and stuff that's in it, it's, it's, it wouldn't run anything that's out there today. But I just had to have that. I had to build that cool computer. And it's not doing me any good right now. And there's all kinds of things. I think if we were to kind of look into our heart, look into our life, there's all kinds of things that we've probably said, I, I just, I have to have that. I really want that. No matter what it may be for. And yet, right now, what good is it doing you? Even when you had it, even when you used it, what good was it doing in the light of eternity? Did it help to do anything or lay up any treasures for you in heaven? What do we have to have right now? Matthew 6.19, this verse here. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal. The command is that we not give our life to earnestly chasing after things that are temporal because they do not last. Either we don't use them anymore, they get corrupted by where they're sitting, or somebody's going to take it. But no matter which way it is, it does not last. So there's the negative of the command, but there's also the positive side of the command. And that is verse number 20. We see, but he, he says, but... Don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, or, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And the positive side of this, we are supposed to be seeking and storing up those things that are eternal. Somebody give me an example of something that could be eternal. Something that will be given to our account when we see Christ. Somebody you've led to the Lord. Witnessing, passing out tracts, even if somebody doesn't get saved. I mean, we, we never know what happens to that, but we're doing what God has told us to do, aren't we? That's going to store up treasures in heaven. Yeah, give, giving of your time for others. Others. Do you have your hand up? Nope, she's twirling her hair. Sorry, Miss Marion. Colossians 3.2 says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affections on things above. Look up there, not down here. What matters to Christ? What are some things, some basic things that every Christian should do that God has told us to do? Love others. Love. Yeah, love others. Love family. Love, love the church. Pray. Read your Bible. Right? What's the last command he gave before he went back to heaven? Go tell others. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Witness. Okay? Th those are probably the three ba most basic things you could do. Read God's word, pray, and then tell other people about Christ. And every single time you do one of those things, you're storing up for the eternal. But how often do we really do that? 
Brother Weaver said this morning, if we're not setting a dedicated time to spend with the Lord, then he said, I, I kind of question about our awe for him. About how we look at Christ. Because if I don't even have the time to set a time for Christ, then he's really not that important to me. Okay, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. As we stated before, layup is something that requires time and energy. When was the last time that you willingly gave of your free time to make an eternal difference in someone else's life? Whether that's someone here at the church, whether that might be a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, a friend, maybe that's coming on a Saturday and going witnessing. But when was the last time you, you said, you know what, I'm going to give of some of my free time, some of the time that I would normally take for me, and I'm going to give it to Christ? When was the last time? You know, if we haven't done that in a long time, our affections are down here. Our focus is down here on the earth. It's not on, it's not on the Lord. It's not on what is most important. What was the one prayer request Jesus had here on earth? Nope. Nope. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. For the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. If that was the only prayer request Jesus Christ made here on earth, do you think it's something that's important for us? I think it's something that's important for us to say, you know what, I could fulfill part of that prayer request. I could give up some of my time and I could go out. When was the last time that we made a difference in someone's life? Now, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. You guys are here on a Sunday evening. You guys have taken up your time tonight to be here. But if we were really concerned with our treasure in heaven, if we truly had our affections set on things above, you know, I don't think Brother Chris and I would be able to keep the track racks full out there in the lobby. I don't think that we would be able to have enough maps on Saturday for people to go out soul winning. Chris would have to go back in and make some more. This is a simple thing, but this is something maybe that I just know about because Becky deals with it a little bit. You know, sometimes it feels like we just have to beg ladies to go to the nursery. And if we truly had our affections on things above, maybe some ladies would say, you know what, I'll just volunteer to go to the nursery because if I'm back there watching a kid for someone who could come in here and hear the gospel and get saved, that's more important. Where are our affections Tonight, where, where, is our, where is our view? We'd have to get some more chairs in the choir loft if our affections were on things above. We'd have to buy some more black binders for the choir people. We'd have to maybe reconfigure in here in the auditorium so we could fit some more chairs on a weekly basis. We'd have to think about buying a new property, building a new building. We have to think about starting a bus route. We have to start thinking about children's workers, more classroom space. We'd have to think about a lot of different things, but honestly, 
Sometimes we don't have to think about those things. Why? Because our affections are where? They're down here. We're not focused on what really matters to the Lord. We're not focused on what's above. When was the last time we were concerned with more than me? When was the last time we said, you know what? I don't matter so much, and so I'm going to give myself for someone else. And I'm going to give myself, I'm going to be concerned about what matters to God. I'm going to be concerned about what matters in this grand scheme of eternity, and I'm going to give my life for that. When was the last time? That brings us to the conclusion of this first part. Verse number 21 says this, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your affections down here on the earth, guess where your heart is? Down here on the earth. Your affections, you're laying up treasure on heaven, guess where your, your heart is? It's concerned with the things of Christ. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I've heard people say, you, you talk to somebody for five minutes, and it will tell you everything you need to know about where your heart is. Because people will automatically talk about what is most important. Sometimes the first thing that Brother Flynn says to me when he comes in the door is, I need more tracks. He has a special track that we keep in a drawer in the office just for him. And sometimes he comes in and he says, I need more. Have you got more labels? Why? Because that's what's important to him. Sometimes we come in and all we talk about is, is sports. Sometimes we come in and all we talk about is what's going on in the government. Sometimes all we talk about is uh, whatever. When was the last time you got around some unsaved people and instead of talking about just some chit-chat, you actually talked to them about the Lord? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think it's time that as Christians, some lost people that were around on a daily basis started seeing that our treasure is in heaven. Our focus is on Christ. And he matters enough for me just to talk about him in general conversation. To tell them about what's going on in my heart and life, what God has been teaching me, what God has been doing in my life, answers to prayer that have, that have happened. Someone I've, I've witnessed to and, and has gotten saved. Things that I'm just excited about, spiritually speaking, and they mean enough to me that I'm going to talk to you about them. When was the last time you did that? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where is your treasure? What is important to you in life? What do your actions tell others about what is most important to you? The things you do, the things you talk about, the things you view and, 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 and think about. What is most important? And what do all those things that you do in life, what do they tell everybody else is most important to you? Because sometimes we say, well, Christ is most important to me, and yet our actions outwardly speak something very different. 
Parents, when you miss church for a sporting event, what does that say to your children? It's just church. Not that important. It's one thing I really appreciate. Uh, you know, I hate to use him again as an illustration. I, I really appreciate about Brother Flynn. He loves the Patriots. I don't know why. But he loves the Patriots. But even if they're playing in the Super Bowl, he's going to be here at church. If we're having service, he's going to be here because this is most important. And if he has to put it on a DVR or record it or whatever to watch it later, he'll do that. What is most important? Is anybody going to even remember who won that Super Bowl in 10 years? It's really not that important, is it? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. The things we're dealing with, the things we're talking about, where our treasure is. Those are the issues of life. And what are our actions, what are our outward things saying about those treasures? What is most important to me? Revelation 3.17 says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. It came right after, we'll see the verses here in just a second, but that came right after he said, the church in Laodicea, that you're neither warm nor hot, or neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm, and I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Then verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and I, have, I, I don't have any need of anything. That's what they were saying about themselves. They're saying, I've got it all figured out. I've got everything I need here on the earth. And what he said was, well, that may be true, but spiritually speaking, you're blind and destitute and naked, miserable. You have no, no knowledge of the fact that you have nothing spiritually. You have nothing in eternity. And sometimes that's the way we're living. Sometimes we think something is so important or that we have done uh, or something that we have done is so good. And what God sees and thinks is very, very different. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, I can't tithe right now, because it's not in the budget. His ways are not our ways, but he's promised to take care of our needs, hasn't he? and we obey him and we give first, he'll meet the needs of the other things. He's promised to do that. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive it. Right? Sometimes we think, well, if I go over there and serve God on that mission field, that's not going to be good. I'm not going to be safe. My family's not going to be safe. There's so many things over there. Yeah, but you could get hit by a car walking down the street in Miami, couldn't you? You're probably safer over there in the midst of the jungle and the anacondas and the serpents and whatever else is over there than you are over here in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Because that's in the middle of God's will. That's where he wants you. Where's your treasure? 
What does God want for your life that you are unwilling to say yes to? Because you're focused on here. You're focused on me. You're focused on what is important to me and my family and what I want. The clarity, number two. These next two points are quick, right? That's the foundation of everything. The clarity. The clarity of light. Colossians 3, 2 says this, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Go back to our text really quickly. Verse number 22 says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be single... Right there in, in, uh, in Colossians 3.22, we see the singleness of heart, fearing God. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Do things for Him. Singleness of heart. Singleness of your eye. I am focused on one thing, and that's Christ. What pleases Him? Acts 2.46 says this, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Their whole, uh, their whole identity at that time was going from house to house and doing what God had commanded them to do in Acts chapter number 2. It was the start of the church. They were going around to 3,000 people that had just gotten saved, and they're ministering to them and being a blessing to them. That was their only job, their only focus at the time. Singleness of heart. We see this, this singleness of heart. Uh, it, it, it's, it's mostly talking about this fact of, of being focused on Christ. But whenever we see in the Bible, whenever it's talking about a double something, usually it's talking about it in a negative way. Usually. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-tongued. Double-minded. The evil mind. Look at verse number 23. But if thine eye be evil... This is like having double vision. Single vision, you can see clearly. If you've got double vision, you're seeing two of one thing, right? It's blurred. It's not clear what you're looking at. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So we see the clarity of light, letter A, but we see also the obscurity of darkness, letter B. Ephesians 4.18 says, Having the, understa the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because the blindness of their heart. Going back to the eyes, that eye gate. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. That's Satan's one job, is to blind and confuse the world from the clarity of the truth. That's all he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden. He got her to think about, well, is that really what God said? He caused a little bit of confusion, a little bit of obscurity, and we are all paying for it. And he's still doing the same thing in our world today. And that brings us to the choice that we have. The choice that we have. Look at verse number 24. No man can serve two masters. 
Either he will hate the one or love the one or hold. Uh, I missed it. I looked away. Sorry. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Letter A, the impossibility in the choice. It's impossible to serve two at the same time. It's impossible. It's impossible. You ever tried to have two or three jobs at one time? Anybody? I've done that. Is it difficult? Very. Very. Because you're always working through schedules and you're like, no, I can't do this here on that day because I'm working this job over there and then I've got to do this part-time thing here. I've got to go there and you're late to this one. And, and somebody, somewhere in that process is going to suffer as far as your bosses, the businesses you're working for. Somewhere there's going to be a hole. Somewhere there's going to be somewhere a, a deficit where you're not filling what you're supposed to do. The same thing is true spiritually. If we're saying, you know what, I can serve God over here, but I can still please myself on this side over here, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. One of them is going to suffer. And generally speaking, it's going to be God. Because if I'm trying to please myself, I'm not full-heartedly serving God, so usually I'm going to go more towards my flesh, more towards myself. You cannot serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or else you're going to hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon there is just talking about material things. Money. Physical things here on earth. The treasures that we're not supposed to be storing up for ourselves. You can't serve both. You can't do it. Joshua 24, 15 says, And if it seem evil unto you today, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which are on the other side of the flood, or in the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's our theme for this year, isn't it? Choose. Choose you this day. You've got to choose. You've got to make a choice, one or the other. You can't have both. First Kings 18.21, Elijah came uh, unto all the people and said, How long are we going to halt between two opinions? If Baal be God, then follow him. But if God be God, then follow him. Choose. Make a choice, one or the other. Luke 16.13, an exact parallel to, to, a verse, to Matthew 6.24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will uh, hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Revelation 3.15-17, this is those verses I was talking about before. I know, not, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. That's, a, that's pretty strong right there. For God to say, I would rather you be completely cold and completely not for me than for you to be somewhere in the middle. Verse 16, so then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That word spew literally means to vomit. You ever been sick and had to uh, gurgle with some salt water? It works best with warm water, doesn't it? But when you mix warm water with salt water and you stick it in your mouth, it makes you want to vomit, especially if you start to swallow some of it. It's good for your throat, but it's not good on the rest of you. And that's literally what God is talking about and saying there when he says, when you're lukewarm, I literally want to throw up in my mouth. I'm not trying to be disgusting, but it's pretty strong language and we need to understand it. 
It makes God sick to his stomach when we're not for him or against him. But we're in the middle. We're playing both sides. And you can't do it. It's impossible for us to do that. That brings us to the importance of the choice. The importance of the choice. Joshua said, choose. Make the choice. And tonight, we have to say, you know what, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to store up for myself treasures on, in heaven, not here on the earth. I'm going to live for the eternal, not the temporal. I'm going to set my affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of God. Right before that, it says that we're, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and we're to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run our race with patience. Set it aside. Those things that are earthly, those things that don't matter, lay them aside. A good soldier is not to be encumbered with the things of this world. Could you imagine a soldier in the United States Army going into battle and he's got his big screen TV hooked to his back? I just got to have my next show, man. We laugh at that. We think it's ludicrous. But that's what God says when we're so attached to the things of this world that we're not doing anything in his army. We're not doing anything as a soldier of Christ. He's suffering. The mission is suffering. What God wants is suffering. So we've got to choose. The importance of the choice is, of this is you just have to choose it. You have to make a choice somewhere or another. You have to, tonight, say, I'm going to either live for myself or I'm going to live for God. You cannot have it both ways. It's impossible to do that. Jim Elliott said this. I put this up uh, on the screen, I believe. He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. If you know who Jim Elliott was, he gave his life with uh, Nate Saint in uh, the 1950s, I believe it was. Uh, he and his wife went to the Anca Indians in, in Ecuador, uh, a ruthless people, and uh, spent several months trying to reach them. They landed their plane, and, uh, and they were killed. What a lot of people don't know is they had weapons right there with them. And they chose not to use them because they thought the people were coming in a friendly way. They were more concerned about those people than they were about their own safety. And when those five men died there on that beach, it wasn't too long after that that the wives of all of those missionaries went back and won the entire village to Jesus Christ. There's still, I believe, a church there in Ecuador from what they did. They weren't caring about themselves. They were focused on things above, not on things on the earth. How many of you heard, have heard of William Borden? A couple, maybe. William Borden, in 1904, graduated from a Chicago high school. As heir to the Borden family fortune, he was already wealthy 
And for his high school graduation present, his parents gave 16-year-old Borden a trip around the world. As a young man traveled through Asia and the Middle East, Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people and finally wrote home about his desire to become a missionary. That's not what his dad had intended when he sent them on a trip around the world. One friend expressed disbelief at what, what uh, William Borden was throwing himself away as a missionary. And it said that as this goes, as it, as it goes through his life, Borden said that in response to that, he wrote down the word, these words in the back of his Bible, no reserves. I don't have to go back to my fortune. I don't need it. There's no reserves. During his first semester at Yale, Borden uh, started something that would transform campus life. One of his friends described how it began and, and said it was well on the first term when Bill and I began to pray together in the morning before breakfast. I cannot say positively whose suggestion it was, but I feel sure it must have been originated with Bill. We have been meeting for only a short time, and a third student joined us. Soon after that, a fourth. The time was spent in prayer after a brief reading of the Scripture, where William Borden's handling of the Scripture was very helpful. He would read, us, read to us from the Bible and show us something that God had promised, and then proceed to claim that promise with assurance. Borden's small morning prayer group gave birth to a movement that soon spread across the campus, and by the end of his first year, 150 freshmen were meeting weekly for Bible study and prayer. By the time William Borden was a senior, 1,000 of Yale's 1,300 students were meeting in such groups around the campus. Many people thought, why would you want to go and be a missionary when you have that kind of influence here in America? Why not stay? Why not uh, help many other people to go out and do what God has called you to do? Borden's missionary call narrowed to the Muslim Kansu people in China. Once he fixed his eyes on that goal, he never wavered. He also challenged his classmates to consider missionary service. One of them said, uh, said of him, he certainly was one of the strongest characters I've ever known. He put backbone into the rest of us at college. There was a real iron in him, and I always felt he was of the stuff martyrs were made of. And heroic missionaries are more modern times. Upon graduating from Yale, Borden turned down some high-paying high job offers, and it's been reported that in his Bible he wrote two more words saying, no retreats. Not going back. In fact, at that point in time when he turned down some of those jobs, he was basically disinherited by his father. He basically lost the airship that he had possible. William Borden went on to graduate, to, to graduate work at Princeton Seminary in New Jersey. When he finished his studies there, he sailed for China. Because he was hoping to work with Muslims, he first stopped in Egypt to study Arabic, and while there, he contracted spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. A wave of sorrow around the world went out, and Borden, uh, it said not, William Borden not only gave away his wealth, but himself in a way so joyous and natural that it seemed a privilege rather than a sacrifice. Was his death? Excuse me, was his death untimely or a waste? Not in God's perspective. As the story has it, prior to his death, Borden had written two more words in the back of his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, he was reported to have written no regrets. And I wonder tonight if we can say, you know what? No matter what God wants, no matter where he wants to take me, no matter what he wants to do with me, no matter what he wants to do with my family, 
There's not going to be any reserves. There's not going to be any retreats. And there's not going to be any regrets. Because what God has planned is far better than what I can have planned. And, and tonight, as William Borden did, we ought to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Not focused on things on the earth. He didn't care about a fortune that was waiting him back home. High-paying jobs because of a good education he had. He gave his life for somebody. And really, he didn't even get to the field he was going for because of his death. And yet, I think William Borden is going to have a whole lot more treasure than a lot of Christians who give their life doing nothing. Where are your treasures at tonight? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, the, for tonight. Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to focus on what is most important to you. Lord, uh, that we would consider where our treasure truly is right now. That right here, right now, as we're sitting in this auditorium, what is the focus of our heart and life? God, may you touch our hearts. May you speak to our hearts. May you work on us to give up that which is most important for us to do that which is most important for you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you say tonight, Brother Kenny, you know what? God has spoken to my heart tonight, and there are some things in my life, some treasures, the focus of my life, some things here on this earth that have more of my attention than God does. God has convicted me tonight that I need to get my focus back on Christ. Would you raise your hand? Okay. And you would say tonight, you know what? I'm going to make the choice. Tonight, I'm going to choose. It's no longer going to be about me. It's no longer going to be about the things of this earth. But I'm going to give myself to doing what God wants for me in my life. Let's stand to our feet tonight. The piano's going to play. If God has spoken to your heart and you would like to respond, you'd like to come forward, please do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Sometimes God just wants to see that we're serious enough to step out and do what he's called us to do. Been so many times I've wanted to do something, I've wanted something in my life, and I've said no because I knew that's not what God wanted. And when I did what God wanted me to do, you know what he gave me? Exactly what I wanted just a short while before. He just wanted to see that I was serious. Where's your focus tonight? Is it here on the earth? Or your affection set on things above? God spoke, why don't you come?